Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Happy Thanksgiving! This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That makes it Thanksgiving. Amen. So good to see our visitors here today. We're really glad that you came to be with us. Welcome. Amen. And after the service today, I'd love to have a cup of coffee with you. Maybe a little snack. Um, Just get to know each other. Let me introduce myself and you can bring your tomatoes if you didn't like the message. But it would be great to just spend a few minutes with you. Daniel chapter three. Daniel chapter three. Praise God. Let me tell you what's happening in Daniel chapter three to save you just a little bit of time. The Babylonians are not real fond of the Israelites and so they are constantly plotting ways to get them in trouble with the king and possibly have them destroyed, whether it is in a fiery furnace or whether it is in a lion's den, they will find ways to get them to break newly established laws and force the king into destroying Israelites. And this particular event that we're gonna read about in Daniel chapter three, they have built a golden image. They have told the people that they will worship Nebuchadnezzar's gods and his gods only. That when the music begins to play, everybody will bow down and do obeisance and begin to worship the false gods and the image that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. The music has now played Everybody has fallen prostrate to the ground, but there are three boys, not even men, boys that have not fallen to the ground and worshiped. And so this is brought to Nebuchadnezzar's attention, and now he has to deal with them in verse 14. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Do not you serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if you be ready, I'm going to give you another chance. At what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music that you fall down and worship the image which I have made, well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, We will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. And today I want to preach to you for a few minutes on this subject. What are you standing up for? What are you standing up for? God bless you. You may be seated. For as far as the eye can see, 
The music is loud. The request is perfectly clear. And everybody is on their face except three boys. Can you picture this? Can, you, can I paint a picture in your mind for a few moments this morning? Everybody's doing it. That must make it all right. But three Hebrew boys remain standing. Can you hear the whispers of the people around them? What are you guys standing up for? Don't you know that you're gonna be thrown into a fiery furnace if you don't fall down and be a part of our society? If you don't accept things the way that it's been declared by the king? What are you standing up for? What, what could cause you to take such a risk with your life? If they were allowed to speak, I think they would have said, well, we believe in the commandments of our God. We worship only the Lord our God, and him only will we serve. And we've been told not to fall down to any graven images or even make any images of things in heaven. We will not partake in what you are partaking in. This world has a real hard time with people that will stand up for what's right. You are the three Hebrew children today. You are the people that are gonna have to stand up while everybody else bows down. We are the people that are gonna have to declare, we are not careful. We don't have to pray about it. We don't have to go on a fast. We know some things are wrong and we will not bow down and do it just because everybody else is doing it. We will stand up for what is right. My pastor used to say it this way, if you're not standing for something, you'll fall for anything. If you're not standing for something, you'll fall for anything. Satan has told you, you can't make a difference. Six billion people in the world, who are you? What kind of an impact can your insignificant life possibly have on such a vast world? So just get used to it. Just blend in. Just be a part of the circus. Because you can't make a difference. But my Bible says, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. As our teacher taught us today, Brother Messa, we are a part of a victorious church. It might not appear that we're winning at the moment, but I've read the back of the book. I know how this is all gonna end. I know that there's a day coming when the King of Kings and Lord of Lords will split the Eastern sky. He will fly down to this earth and he will bring great victory. <clears throat> I'm sure some of you have heard about the man who noticed that the tide has washed in so many starfish. Literally thousands of them are on the shore and they're drying up as the sun bakes them. And a man comes along and sees this and begins to pick up starfish and take them and throw them into the water. 
Another man approaches and he says, what are you doing? He said, there's thousands upon thousands of starfish. What difference can you possibly make? Just leave it alone and go about your business. And the man picked up another starfish and threw it into the sea and he said, well, I made a difference to that one, didn't I? You may not be able to influence six billion, but you could influence one and one and one. You could help one at a time. Why don't you do what you can do and pay attention and let God do the rest? Let God do the rest. We have a lot of issues in our day. I know that preachers are not supposed to do this, but I'm gonna make an exception today since I've broke the mold a little bit earlier with the service and interrupted the worship a couple of times. I, I guess I might as well just go all the way today. Let me talk to you about some of the issues of our day. There are people that are saying that the world is starving, and there are people that are starving. Maybe you've thought and considered, maybe I should be a part of uh, uh, the Red Cross or, or I, I should go overseas and feed the hungry. Maybe that's something that I should do because I care about what's happening in the world. Let me tell you what you should do if you're concerned about the hungry. How about you just stand up and say, you know what, a few hundred feet from here, there's a food pantry and I can get in a truck, or I can get in a van, and I can go pick up food from companies that are willing to give us food. I can help distribute food to the hungry in my community. All it takes is somebody to stand up. You don't need to relocate. Your ministry is right next to you. Why don't you stand up for the food pantry if you really care about the hungry? I'm really concerned about what's going on in the public schools. And it's not the teacher's fault. They're, they're told the curriculum that they're going to teach. I'm really, really concerned about our kids being in public schools five days a week. And, and they've taken God out and they've, they've put evolution in. And they've talked about the modern families. And they're not teaching morality and all these terrible things that are, that are going on in our public schools. What are you going to do about it? How about you stand up? How about you stand up and say, you know what? I'm willing to be a Sunday school teacher. I'm willing to get involved in power hour. I want to do something on Wednesday nights or, or Sunday mornings that are going to help kids, that are going to minister to kids. I'm willing to stand up. I'm not going to bow down anymore and say, well, there's nothing I can do about it. No, there is something you can do about it. You can stand up and you can get involved. Oh, the teenagers these days. Oh, the case of our teenagers these days. They're in such rough and, and terrible shape. Man, the things that are going on and all oh, the immorality and the rebellion and the, the way they dress and the things they do and their disrespect for authority. Sounds to me like you believe it's a hopeless case. Why don't you stand up and get involved in the youth ministry? Why don't you support the people that are there every week teaching and ministering, whether your kids are there or not? Why don't you even just make it a, a, 
a, a requirement of yourself to get your kids there. Oh, I don't feel like going. I'm tired. Too bad. I don't care how you feel. This is what you're going to do. You're going to church on Wednesday night. You're going to be a part of the youth group. When they go on youth events, you're going. I'm going to support that. I'll be a chaperone. I'll drive a car. I'll get behind you. I'll support you. I'm going to stand up for the youth. Stand up for the youth. I believe in our youth. I care about our youth. I'm willing to do something about it, not just complain about it and feel hopeless and and unable to do anything. Stand up. What are you standing for? What is it that you have a passion for? Or how about this? Do you know anybody that's ever been abused? Do you know of anybody that that has been hurt and and they struggle with forgiveness? Do you know anybody that has addictions? Do you know anybody that has hurts and habits and hang-ups and they're depressed and they're discouraged? Have you ever met anybody like that? Why don't you stand up for Celebrate Recovery? Why don't you stand up and say, hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. There's hope. I want to invite you to a group we have in our church called Celebrate Recovery. They'll help us with our hurts and our habits and our hang-ups. There will be friendly people there that will be there to encourage and help and bless you. Why don't you stand up and talk positive about Celebrate Recovery? Stand up. I thought surely there'd be some people standing by now, but maybe we can get a better preacher next week. Or how about this? You know, people aren't going to church like they used to anymore. A lot of America, I mean, they even schedule events on Sundays now, even on Sunday mornings, to compete with churches. Or they think that people don't go to church anymore, so it's just another time slot to fill. Church isn't exciting. Church is boring. Why would you want to go there? Hey, why don't you stand up? And tell them what's going to happen at Abundant Life on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. Why don't you tell them about a worship service where people will feel blessed and touched. Where people can come to an altar and feel the presence of God. Where people can come to an altar and receive healing and and be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why don't you tell them about a church where people's lives are changed forever. Why don't you stand up for Abundant Life? Why don't you say, hey, there is a church that you you can go to, and when you leave there, you're going to feel better than when you came. You're not going to get beat up. You're not going to get bored. You're not going to hear about current events. You're going to hear about what God can do in your life. Why don't you stand up for that kind of a church? Stand up. People, they don't have any knowledge of the Scripture anymore. You know, most of you are, I'm just going to, I'm going to say it, and I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but most of you think that you're not knowledgeable enough to minister to this world. You don't have enough knowledge of the scripture. You need to have a license from an organization 
You need to be some kind of a, a pastor or an evangelist, apostle, prophet, or teacher. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, all the messages you've ever heard, all the times that God has moved on you, and not just from the messages at, at Abundant Life, but throughout your history of walking with God, you've got more knowledge inside of you than most people in this community. You, you, say, you share with them, Brother Cordell told me this the other day. He said, I was talking with somebody and we were talking about the Gospels and he said, do you know what book comes after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? And I said, no. Well, it's the book of Acts. They didn't even know that. They might know a little bit about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They might know some stories in the Old Testament about Noah and the flood and some of those. But other than that, they know nothing about the Bible because nobody's teaching the Bible. Wouldn't it be great if people that have heard literally thousands of messages would stand up and say, hey, here's what the Word of God has to say about that. Hey, I'd be willing to give you a home Bible study. Would you be willing to give me one hour per week if I could promise you that at the end of 12 hours you'd know more about the Bible than you've learned in your entire life? Somebody needs to stand up and say, hey, God's Word has all the answers. Somebody needs to stand up and say that. We're not promoting this assembly. We're not promoting uh, 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 even abundant life. We're promoting Jesus Christ. This is his church. We are his people. Most of you today, I can see it right from here, right in that second window right now. It's a sign that you've driven by lots of times and it says, you are now entering your mission field. And then when you go out this driveway today, and every one of you is going to go out this driveway, take a look. On your right-hand side, it'll say it again. You are now entering your mission field. And while everybody else is bowing down, I'm wondering who's going to remain standing. Who's going to stand up? for what's right. Let me share this with you. I need four volunteers. I won't embarrass you. There's one. There's one. There's three. That's three. There's four. Okay. Now I'm going to, um, I'm going to tell a story and each of you, yeah, just come in here. This, you won't get embarrassed. You don't have to say anything. All you have to do is raise your hand, okay? I'll tell you when. Now, brother, yeah, turn and face them, please. Okay, Brother Frazier, you're everybody. Brother Matucci, you're somebody. Brother Carini, you're anybody. And Brother Imel, I'm sorry, but you're nobody. <laughs> but you're humble. I always wondered why somebody didn't do something about that. Then I realized I am somebody. So I'm going to read you this story. And when I, when I call your name, just raise your hand. Okay? Who's everybody? Who's somebody? Who's anybody? Who's nobody? 
There is a little story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Now, anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Now, somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have. Thank you, gentlemen. You did a great job. Everybody. Let me give you this saying. If everyone were just like me, what kind of church would this church be? If there are there are only two kinds of people in the world. Only two. They're not black and white, they're not rich and poor. They're not educated and uneducated. They're not sick and healthy. Only two. There's givers and there's takers. Which are you? You see, the givers, and I'm not just talking about money, although that's important. It is important. I'm not downplaying it either. But I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about Being used of God. Standing up and filling a gap when you see an opportunity to be a giver. A giver. I'm saying to you today that we don't need to be protesters. We need to be proactive. We need to be proactive. We need to be pro-Christian. We need to be pro-life. We need to be pro-church. We need to be pro-Bible. We need to be pro-marriage. We need to be pro-family. We need to be pro-American. We need to be proactive, not protesters. Protesters don't build anything. Matter of fact, they wreck stuff. But proactive people, they build things. Jesus said, I will build my church. We get to help out. We're the gophers. Go for this and go for that. Bring this here and bring that there. But who's the cornerstone? Who's the head of this house? Who's the one we're serving? Who's the one, come on now, who's the one we're standing up for? What are you standing for? Well, I just told you. I 
told you what I'm standing for. We overcome the world by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Not with bullets and not with guns. Let me throw this in too since we talked about intercessory prayer. Tomorrow night is family prayer. It's the fourth Monday. I would encourage you to join the 12 disciples that will be here. I would encourage you because in the last 15 minutes of our prayer time, we always spend time interceding. Stand in the gap. Sir Edmund Burke said it this way, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Will anybody stand up? Will anybody make a sacrifice? I was in a trustee meeting a few weeks ago and I learned something. And our trustee board is now, uh, we have more people in their 40s than any other age group. And I think that's a good thing. And um, there are a few of us that are in our 60s and I'm one of them and And let me tell you something about the 60s and and beyond, 70s and maybe even 80s. We were raised in a generation that when something was right, you did it. Why? Because it's right. It's the right thing to do. We might not even wanted to go to church, but we went to church. Why? Because that's what you're supposed to do. That's supposed to help you spiritually. So we learned at at an early age, probably taught by our parents, held by our hands, sometimes dragged. But we learned to do what was right because it's right. But people in their 40s, they might not feel the same way. And one of the board members said this. He said, I've noticed that people in my age group have to have a cause They see it as a cause. They will buy into a cause. But they won't do things just because you say that it's the right thing to do. They have to see the cause. Let me show you a cause. 1 Samuel chapter 17. David was told by his father that he was was the youngest of Jesse's children. He was tending a flock And he was told by his father, I want you to take this food to your brothers who are fighting the battle. So he's doing what he is instructed to do by his father. But in verse number 28, the eldest brother, Eliab, heard that he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why did you come down hither, and where have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know you are a prideful man, and the naughtiness of your heart, you have come down that you might see the battle. You came to just see what's going on. You didn't come to participate. You just came to observe. Now, if I were David, I would say, hold on, big brother. I'm here because my dad sent me here. I brought you something to eat. You're welcome. And second of all, I don't see anything. 
I see one guy intimidating the entire army of Israel. Battle? What battle? I don't see a battle. So why are you rebuking me? What have I done? Verse 29. Is there not a cause? I see a cause here. He bought into that cause. He stood up to a giant while everybody else bowed down to a giant. And that giant was fake. He wasn't that great, was he? Well, we look back now and say, look at this, this little boy here beat this big old giant. There's a lot of hot air. Matter of fact, if you read on in the scripture, Goliath had three brothers and other Israelites killed them off. Once somebody stood up to the first giant, somebody preach with me today, stood up to the first giant, it inspired other people to stand up to the other giants and the giants were defeated and weren't nearly as great because David saw it as a cause. How dare you defy the armies of Israel and talk against my God? That's what David said. And he did not say that he would defeat the giant. He said, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, meaning I am not falling down with everybody else. I'm gonna stand up. I've seen, here's his testimony, I've seen what God can do to a bear. I've seen what God can do to a lion. This giant, he's just another victim. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong thing, and the results are gonna be the same as lions and bears. Because he saw a cause. Now here's where I'm gonna stop today. What's your cause? Why why do you exist? What is your purpose in life? Well, my purpose in life, it's, it's obvious. My purpose is to provide for my family. I have, a, I have a job to do and I make money and I take the money and that's how I pay the bills and get the things that my family, that's my purpose. No, no, that's a job. I'm talking about what's a purpose. What passion do you have burning inside of you, shut up in your bones as as Ezekiel said, a fire in his bones. What's burning inside of you? What has God given you to do with what you have? The time, the treasures, and the talents that would cause you to stand up and make a difference in somebody else's life. Jesus said, here's my cause. I came to seek and to save that which is lost. That's my purpose. Oh, and I'm gonna tell you this. This is, this is free, you missed, many of you missed it today. Brother Messa said something today, I have never heard it before and it almost knocked me off my chair. How many of you remember Black Friday? A couple days ago, everybody's talking about going out and buying things. I don't know why they call it black. 
They probably should call it red because when it's all over, you're in the red. Well, I bought it on sale. I got a good price. Well, you couldn't afford the good price. But he said, Jesus only made one purchase in his lifetime. He purchased our salvation and our healing. Wow. One purchase in a lifetime. But that purchase gives us purpose. Because freely, here it is, freely we have received, freely we should take more, 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 more. How much is enough? More, more, more. No. Maybe we should give what we've received so that some who have none can have some. Let's stand together. Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. God says here, I sought for a man among them that he should make up the hedge and he should stand. Stand. What are you standing up for? Stand in the gap before me for the land. And he's not talking about the dirt. He's talking about the people. That I should not destroy it. But I found None. Therefore I have poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon them and upon their own heads, said the Lord. Because he couldn't find anybody. But in Isaiah, Isaiah 6 and 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then Isaiah said, here I am. I'm standing up. Send me. I'm willing to go. As long as you're with me, I'm willing to go. What are we standing up for? Jesus, I pray today that this message will be received positively and that people will begin to stand up. Tomorrow when somebody comes to them at work and says, I'm sick, give them the courage and the strength and the anointing of your spirit. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.